Good day, everybody. This is Anthony Pudlow, Vice President of uh, the Iowa Pharmacy Association. I'm here to uh, welcome all of you to our our recent or our podcast focusing on the Board of Pharmacy actions that occurred at the recent Board of Pharmacy meeting here at the end of June uh, two, uh, 20, uh, 2016. Um, for those of you that have been paying attention, we've actually now dubbed these podcasts the Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How, um, really to really focus on what actions were taken by the Board of Pharmacy at the recent meeting, why the Board of Pharmacy took the actions it did, and really how the Board of Pharmacy actions will actually impact practice in Iowa. So today I'm actually joined once again by Andrew Funk, the executive director here at the Iowa Board of Pharmacy, as well as Jennifer O'Toole, which is one of the compliance officers that many of you um, are familiar with. So actually there's quite a lively debate here at the Board of Pharmacy meeting today, and I wanted to just um, start off by asking, uh, maybe Andrew could speak to this, there was quite a bit of discussion about just the rulemaking process, the regulatory process, um, with different items on the agenda focusing on these terms, no Notice of intended action and adoption and filing. Um, Andrew, can you speak to what those terms mean and maybe just the process that the board goes through to adopt new rules? Sure. Um, so a couple new new chapters were um, brought for the board today to be noticed. Uh, those regarded uh, telepharmacy practice as well as the uh, monitoring program for um, impaired pharmacy professionals. So typically, what happens is the board either through through a, a request from the public to initiate a rule change or just through an internal conversation, um, we'll bring that before uh, the board's informal rules committee in which three members of the board will discuss um, writing the rules. That The board then, once they're set, those three uh, individuals on the rules committee are satisfied with the way the rules are written, we'll then bring those forth um, at the board meeting for their notice of intended action, and that's what we saw today. So that is the official, um, sort of the official start of the process in which the the rulemaking uh, procedure begins. Uh, once there, once the board uh, agrees to notice those rules, they are then um, published in the Iowa Administrative Bulletin, and there's there's uh, the Administrative Rules Review Committee will review those, um, and then there. They're then open for public comment. Um, typically, there's about a 20-day comment period um, in which the board will receive uh, written comments on the, the, the rules. And there's also, in, in some cases, the board will hold hearings um, in which the public can come and express verbal comments on the, on the uh, notice rules. Um, once that period is ended and the board does have a, at least uh, 35 days between when it's published in the bulletin to when um, they can be adopted, it's brought before the board and the board then would um, uh, review the comments that are, that are brought forth by the public and decide and determine whether or not they need to make any real changes or if they want to file um, notice of adoption of the, of the rules. Uh, the board decides to do that. The, those adopted rules then go back um, to the Administrative Rules Review Committee, and they're reviewed once again. And also at that point, the Administrative Rules Review Committee will look at any of the public comments that were received. And then uh, once once that's been reviewed, there's a 35-day period in which um, uh, before those rules become effective. 
Thanks, Andrew. And that's actually a good point. You bring up the Administrative Rules Review Committee. For those not familiar with that group as well, that's a bipartisan group of legislators, as Andrew talked about really looking at the public comments that have been submitted. But that, that group also really looks to um, making sure that those those rules that were adopted or chose to be adopted by the board is actually within the purview of, of the Board of Pharmacy in this case or any other regulatory board. Um, and actually, I would just also add to that, to, to this point that I know the state of Iowa itself has done a much better job of allowing the public to, um, to submit uh, comments during that public comment period. So if you haven't already um, looked online, there's a website that really notices all the regulations for any of the regulatory boards. I believe it's just underneath rules.iowa.gov. It's a very simple process and you could subscribe specifically to when, say, the Board of Pharmacy would um, release um, rules for public comment. So I encourage all of you, even though IPA and various other stakeholders submit formal comments to many of the rules, um, all of you have a voice yourselves in submitting your own rules. Well, uniquely enough, though, on the agenda today, there was um, an item that was listed that we didn't talk about, the term um, meaning a notice of termination. So knowing that the Board of Pharmacy actually chose today to um, actually approve a notice of termination um, regarding some rules that were um, initially uh, drafted regarding Chapter 7 in the rules, um, which focus on hospital practice. So I might look, I guess, maybe to Andrew on this one, um, that maybe could speak to what those rules were about and maybe... Um, uh, what those, uh, what the board chose to really uh, do about this or why they chose. At least I know maybe Andrew, I, I think this initial rule was focused on eliminating some restrictions regarding um, dispensing of emergency uh, department uh, patients with medications when maybe there was a 24-hour uh, pharmacy services available within a distant, I think it was 15 miles of that. But I know there was a lot of comments submitted to the board and that was discussed by the board today. Can you maybe explain maybe why the board chose to adopt or at least move forward in um, approving this notice of termination then? Yeah, sure. So these, the, the rules Anthony was alluding to, um, uh, were, were agreed to be noticed. The Administrative Rules Review Committee uh, reviewed those. The comment period opened and the board received numerous comments um, regarding some of the concerns as well as some other areas that the, the, the public felt these rules would uh, or could also uh, impact and so those those uh, comments were reviewed by the rules committee, um, and then they had decided to make the recommendation to the board to terminate those those rule made that rulemaking process and uh, take a closer look at those at those those rules. Yeah, so I think it's my understanding that it looks like the board of pharmacy is probably going to really better uh, put some. Uh, Put their minds together really look at that chapter on hospital practice as it maybe looks like there's some areas of there that probably just need some updating as well so i think i look forward to seeing what the board of pharmacy does moving forward um, and i'm sure many of you that are listening to this podcast will pay particular attention especially if you are in hospital practice so Another area, and I think, Andrew, you, you spoke to this earlier, and, and Jennifer, I might look to you to maybe explain a little bit of your perspective on this, but there was an area that focused, um, there was a notice of intended action that focused on, um, I, I think, an issue that a lot of people in, in Iowa have a lot of interest in, and that being telepharmacy. Um, while the board didn't actually have these rules noticed yet, um, we still saw a lot of people come forward with some interest in some uh, in expressing their, their interest on this topic. Can you maybe just speak to maybe what you heard and observed during the meeting today and how the board maybe reacted to that issue? Sure. The notice of intended action was for to adopt a new Chapter 13 uh, regarding telepharmacy practice. 
um, as that was brought forward to uh, ask the board for approval to notice those rules there was some comments made uh, by those in attendance of the meeting in the public um, with their concerns or questions or just wanting the board to take into consideration their thoughts one being that the managing pharmacy uh, within uh, 50 miles of the telepharmacy might be uh, too much of a limitation and wanted the board to take that in cons into consideration. Uh, another thought was that the limits on the, the pharmacist and the pharmacy workload and with a pharmacist technician ratio or what on, limitations on what the technician might do might really limit that, that service to the communities. And a third was that maybe the rule should focus more on a managing pharmacist and not a managing pharmacy. Uh, and maybe the distance requirement could play into having a pharmacist be the managing um, body instead of a pharmacy. Perfect, thank you. And I know that um, we that IPA also spoke a, a little bit about just some of the history around um, the topic as well, and knowing that there was some joint task forces that have met over several over the last couple of years actually on this topic. Um, but I know it, it seemed like the board then chose to to move forward in releasing these proposed rules for public comment. So now we're at a point, kind of speaking of what Andrew spoke about about the time frame in which we'll see an open comment period that formal written comments can be. But also knowing I think just the interest in this topic, um, there will be a formal public hearing that has yet to be scheduled, but we'll see an actual formal hearing where anybody can come in attendance and speak to the to the topic. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see how the process works moving forward depending on um, what the comments are that are submitted and presented at that point. So. Right and I think it's important to make the point that comments um, anyone can uh, submit a comment on this and as Anthony had said earlier that not just IPA or pharmacies pharmacists you know comments can come from from anybody who would who would like to uh, submit a comment they can be emailed um, comments in writing are, are, are nicer because we can then keep track of them and make sure that the rules committee does review them but all comments that are received are reviewed by the rules committee perfect thank you um, and I think maybe just another point or another agenda item that I know the board spent quite a bit of time today speaking to was a couple of proposals that came forward actually from the Pharmacy Association um, focused on our new practice model effort that fall underneath or at least the request came underneath the ability for the board to approve, approve pilot and research demonstration projects. Um, so I might look maybe to Andrew to maybe explain that because I think many pharmacists, many pharmacies, many technicians don't realize the uniqueness that Iowa has positioned themselves in being able to approve uh, these pilot and research demonstration projects. And maybe as you explain this, Andrew, could you maybe uh, maybe uh, differentiate how that is different from a, uh, a waiver or the waiver process that the Board of Pharmacy has? Yeah. So part of our legislation um, permits the board to authorize a pilot project uh, for the purposes of gaining some information, gaining some uh, knowledge on a particular way of practicing pharmacy in such a way that it would implement additional um, technological advances. And so historically the, the um, Board of Pharmacy has had, uh, at least it, while I've been on, on staff here, pilot projects with telepharmacy and also pilot projects with the new practice model. And at this particular board meeting um, we had some requests about uh, for about 17 sites in which 
the pharmacies were requesting to continue um, uh, the practice of tech, check, tech with the purpose of freeing the pharmacist time to perform additional clinical services. Um, what made this one a little different from the, the previous pilots is they also wanted to include the verification of product that were being dispensed on new prescriptions. Uh, the board felt in, in, with, these, with these proposals that additional safeguards would need to be um, would need, need to be in place before they felt comfortable approving that, namely uh, that either barcode scanning would be required and or the practice of um, the show and tell method of counseling such that when a pharmacist is counseling on a new prescription, the vial is actually opened, the tablets are shown to the patient, um, and, and the, the, the pharmacist would then have the opportunity to verify that product during consultation. The main difference between a pilot project and what we call waivers or variances is the, the pilot projects are, again, to, to allow the board to collect information. They're, they're typically written because uh, of a particular legislation that needs to be, that needs to be waived. Uh, the board doesn't have the authority to waive any legislation, um, and so in that case, they've been given the authority to run pilot projects, um, and that does give them the ability to um, operate a pharmacy with, with, uh, without violating legislation. The waiver process, the board writes many rules. You all are, are aware of how many hundreds of pages of, of rules that we have on the books. Um, a lot of those are, are, are not based, or they're based on legislation, but they may not be completely uh, in line with legislation. So they, they're written more so to carry out um, the, the legislation that is on the book. So a pharmacy can present to the board a lot of times for a waiver request to waive certain rules. For example, um, we've had requests in the past to um, waive the storage requirement of prescription records. Our, our rules require that those records be stored on site where the pharmacy is located for two years um, and the first 12 months need to be stored actually within the physical pharmacy department. And we've had rural waiver requests to waive that that requirement that the second 12 months of records be stored on site and that they be stored someplace that's uh, more convenient for the pharmacy. So definitely a new practice model in the pilot project process is, is really, I think, given the board an opportunity to really investigate all the different aspects to um, really what it goes into, I think, writing a rule. Um, not knowing still how, how this research project is going to come forward, it seems like, at least in terms of our phase one and phase two data that's been presented, it's been very favorable in terms of ensuring um, patient safety isn't compromised in terms of error rating, but it's also that it is freeing up pharmacists' time to engage in services. But I think what we've seen, and that there was a lot of discussion, I think, on this um, during the board meeting today, is how the board now, or how, excuse me, a lot of these pharmacists have had to create almost a, a two a two prong process one for refills and one for new prescriptions so it seems like there was favor to looking at this model um, now by wrapping in new prescriptions and hope in the hope that now we really are able to allow pharmacists even more ample time um, in their workflow to engage in a lot of different enhanced services um, and more value-based uh, models of care so it will be really interesting over the course of the now the next 18 months is which the board approved this waiver 
quarter for today um, to see what the research comes back as. So I don't know, I might look, um, I don't know, Jennifer, if you have anything else to add from your perspective as a compliance officer, um, knowing that the new practice model, this tech check tech process has been going on now really over the course of the last two years um, as we've kind of utilized two different phases. But do you have anything else to add from, from your perspective um, from the board's discussion today? I think that moving into this next phase of the new practice model, um, the challenge with the compliance officers has been that each site is a little bit different. It's not uh, the same thing isn't the same thing in, in every pharmacy. So every pharmacy is set up differently. Their software system is set up differently. Their workflow is set up differently. So as a compliance officer in, in inspecting these pharmacies or just out there gathering information on these, it's just, it's, it's, they're each place is unique. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I know there was, the board did really provide that recommendation to IPA uh, in, in the approval process to really help give guidance in terms of what's a compliance officer checklist. What should it look like? Should it be a little bit different um, for a site that's participating in the new practice model? Um, and not just from the workflow perspective in terms of dispensing, but also even those clinical services that are being provided. So thanks for your insight and your perspective on that. So I think we're kind of approaching our, our, our window here. So I wanted to once again, uh, thank Andrew and thank Jennifer for their time today. And uh, again, it was a really uh, a great Board of Pharmacy meeting today. Um, and actually, I would just add that it was a great also for those of you that saw the Board of Pharmacy also held um, a staff and a board retreat earlier this week to really evaluate all the different issues going on um, with the practice of pharmacy in Iowa. So I think the board had a lot of active dialogue as they prepare for, I think, a very busy year of, of trying really to update their regulations. So I think it's even more important for for IPA and the board to really get the information out to to pharmacies um, across the state to understand where these rule changes might be impacting your practice. So thank you everybody for listening in to today's uh, Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How. And we look forward to um, sharing this information again at the next board of meeting, which uh, occurs at the end of August. So thank you very much for your time.